This is the podcast for Centerpoint Church located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. My name's Jason, and we're on this series called You're Not Good Enough. How's that for motivation? But the reality is, is that we aren't, as human beings, good enough. And that's not what God wants for us. We're going to be looking over the next couple of weeks at the book of Galatians. I'm excited for us to dive deep in the scripture. Let's jump in. I'm so thankful that you're here. My name's Jason. Uh, I serve as lead pastor of this church. And last week, if you weren't here, uh, Pastor Brandon Petty brought a message that I thought was so timely and important about how to have a healthy soul. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, you can be one of the dozens of people that subscribe to our YouTube page and go back and watch it. Make it a priority. It was, um, it was a blessing to have him here, and I think he shared a very important word that we all need to hear. And I had the, the pleasure of preaching at Generation Church, his church, our sister church, and it was great to see new people. It was great to be in new places, but I told people, it's kind of like being on vacation. And it's good to come back home. Uh, So I'm thankful to be here today. I'm thankful for you. I know a lot of you drove a long way to be here. We have some people who travel all the way from Kentucky to be here. Some of you are from Mount Juliet and Lebanon and a person or two from Bethpage. So we are just thankful that you're here and thank you that you make this place a priority. And uh, I honor you guys today. We're, we're going to be jumping into a brand new series. So if it's your first time here, you picked a great time because we're so, starting something brand new. We're going to be doing this for quite a while, four, five, six weeks. Uh, you know it's something special because Dr. Corey Crowley is wearing a collared shirt and pants, y'all. My goodness. I've never seen that before. Man. Uh, but this is one of my favorite series titles of all time. It's called You're Not Good Enough. <laughs> when I told our staff that was going to be the name of the series, they're like, you're the worst counselor and motivational speaker of all time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but, but we're going to be really going through the book of Galatians. So oftentimes people are like, hey, when are we going to do like an old-fashioned Bible study and just go through each chapter of the book This is your jam if that's what you want to do. We're going to be going through Galatians today. We're going to be talking about Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2. But before we jump into the word, I just want to remind you that you're not good enough. And as soon as you realize that you're not good enough, it's going to unlock so much in your life. Like It's going to take the stress off of performance-based Christianity, and it's going to unlock your relationship with God when you realize that nothing you do will make him love you any more than he loves you right now. But the flip side of that is really what some of us need to hear is that, that nothing you can do will make him love you less than you, he loves you right now. And so we're going to go through all kinds of different doctrinal things, but I want to establish that right off the bat. The, the theme of the letter to the church of Galatia is you're not good enough to deserve what Jesus did for you on the cross. Therefore, we should live different. So before we jump into the word, I, I got to set up a little bit of history because it's really easy for me anyway, if you're anything like me to get the letters of Paul kind of mixed up. Like they kind of blend in together. What's the difference between Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians? And we know some zingers that show up on canvases at Hobby Lobby, but really what is the difference between them all? And, and, And if you don't know the history of it, then you're really missing out on some depth of this scripture because these are letters to particular regions or particular churches and, and it would be very different. Like if I was writing, let's say, a letter to 
you guys in White House, right? I was writing to your connect group in White House versus a connect group in Las Vegas. I would write something very different to two different people. And, and, and that's really what these different letters are. So the history of it is, is first we got to know where Galatia is. So we're going to put this map up on our terrible screen from 1986. Uh, <laughs> you laugh. I'm being serious. But this is modern-day Turkey that we're looking at, and you can tell that by the location of the Mediterranean Sea, uh, the Black Sea, the Aegean Sea. If you look over there, Galatia is unusual compared to for some of Paul's letters because it's not near like a major body of water. And so this is a Roman colony. And that's going to be important to know because these are Gentiles, which is what we call in the Bible non-Jews. And so you have Roman citizens, which is different. And so this, this whole story of Jesus is relatively new to them, and they've got to go through and learn a whole chunk of the law because they didn't grow up with it being a part of just their normal life like the Jews did. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of an idea, you can see down where Jerusalem is. You can see Jericho. But we're talking about this region up here of Galatia. So the book of Galatians is really broke down into three chunks. Chapter one and two talk is like it's the personal side. And when Paul, we're going to be covering that where Paul's talking about personal matters to the church. Three and four are going to cover doctrinal issues. It's kind of like a mini book of Romans, like it's the, the Romans light version. He's going to really talk about some foundations of the church, of the beliefs. It's kind of like the Magna Carta of the church. By the way, if you're new here, I used to be a history teacher. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, but history is, is totally my jam. If you didn't like history, you should have been in my class. You would. Uh, and then five and six is very practical. That's what I like about the book of Galatians is that he ends it with some practical ways that this can change our lives. Because I, I'm a Jesus guy. And, and, and I believe that we can take the Bible and that even today in 2022, there are some very serious things that we can apply to our lives today that we're still facing. It's not just an old ancient history book, but I believe it is the living word of God that can still speak to us today. Can anybody give me an amen? So a Roman colony full of Roman citizens, Paul goes through Galatia and establishes a network of churches during his first missionary journey. So he, he plants some churches, and they're kind of all sister churches, and they're kind of all this network of the church of Galatians. And what happens during that time is he establishes these churches, he trains them all up, he gets them established, and then he goes back to Jerusalem. You can read about that in Acts chapter 13 and 14 if you want. But once he goes back to Jerusalem, he catches wind of something that happened in the church. And this is where we get the actual title of my message today is called the Jesus Plus Gospel. It's kind of like ESPN Plus, but it's the Jesus Plus Gospel. We have this group of Jewish Christians, I'm going to repeat that again, Jewish Christians known historically as the Judaizers, which sounds kind of like evil, like a bad guy in a James Bond movie, like there's the Judaizers. And, and they come in and they start preaching this message of Jesus plus the Mosaic law. Of, of Jesus plus the rejudification of the gospel. Which means, in fan, those are fancy seminary terms, don't be impressed, anybody can memorize those. But but what it basically means is, is that, yes, Jesus is the only way to God, but after 
then you need to do this, 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 and this. And it was really just a magnification of the, of the, the Jewish tradition, celebrate, celebrating the Jewish feasts, getting circumcised, well, just the dudes, and, and celebrating all the... <laughs> I'm funnier than you're laughing, but that's all right. <laughs> but they had to fall in line with all of these different things that were part of the law. And so they were presenting the Jesus plus gospel, and it made Paul mad. So Paul writes this letter. Somewhere historians place this somewhere between AD 49 and AD 55. If you held a gun to my head and said, Jason, pick a date, I'd probably go about 52. And to give you a little bit of reference, Jesus's earthly ministry ended somewhere between AD 32 and AD 33. So we're talking approximately 20 years later. And, and that's when Paul is writing this letter to the churches of Galatia. So let's pick up in verse one, because one through five are going to sound very, very familiar. Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Pause that for just a moment. The very first thing that Paul writes in any of his letters, and I encourage you throughout this week to go back and maybe just look at these briefly, is he always gives a little indication of his heart right at the very beginning. Like when he's writing some of his prison epistles, he'll say, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, like letting them know, hey, I may be in jail, but make no mistake, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus, no matter who put me in these shackles. And this one gives you a little bit of indication because right away he's saying, I'm not here because man established this for me. I'm here because the Lord put me in this place. And that's gonna give a little indication of that he, what he's about to do, which is really uh, verbal spanking of sorts. Verse three, grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. When we, when we went over Philemon a couple weeks ago, uh, we, we talked about that's how he starts all of his letters, grace and peace. Grace in Greece, peace, shalom in Hebrew. It's just very common way to start it. So he, he sticks with the same algorithm. That's gonna be important to know in just a minute. Verse four, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, and all God's people say, amen. And at this point, this is when Paul always builds people up. He does the intro, and then he starts off saying how great they're doing. And it's kind of a way of building them up before he's about to tear them down. It's kind of a way of me saying, hey, you did a really good job yesterday. I'm so thankful for you. But... And that's usually what would happen right here. To the church in Rome, when he's writing Romans, he talks about how I long to be with you again, and I hope that God will ordain it and line it up. And in the church of Corinthians, he starts talking about the church of Corinth, he starts talking about how he's so thankful for them. And you guys have been so faithful in giving. To Colossians, to the Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, he's always telling them, hey, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful. You're doing a good job, you're doing a good job, but not Galatia. They don't get that because Paul is mad. Like I would imagine when he's writing this, he's got his teacher face on or his mom face. Any moms in the house? No, not one. Interesting. Why do we have 50 babies in the nursery? Thank you, Katie. 
They must be all yours. My goodness. Don't speak that evil on me. I get you. Sorry, that's probably inappropriate. I know. I'm so sorry. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, I know what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, that mom look, man, when your kids are messing up and your words don't work anymore, you give them that look like that. I would imagine Paul's got that mom look as he's just writing this, this letter because, because this one's going to be a little different. It's really the only letter to a particular church that he doesn't tell them good things. He gives them the, hi, this is me, I'm Paul, grace and peace, now let's get to business. And I would imagine when they started reading this letter right off the bat, they noticed, oh, this, this is different. Can I take you on a journey for a moment? That's rhetorical. I have a microphone. I want to take you on a journey to the pinnacle of the United States of America. I'm talking 1990 to 1991. And some of you are like, I wasn't even born yet. That's not something to brag about, man. Because you missed out on the 90s. Like, that's like bragging about not getting invited to the party. So save it. Millersville, I don't want to hear it, all right? I was born in 2000. It's disgusting. 1991, I want to introduce you to somebody. He's right here. It's sixth grade Jason Baugh. Look at, look at little sixth grade Jason. He's so cute. And, and, and believe it or not, so some things don't change, but believe it or not, sixth grade little Jason's desk was always right next to the teacher's desk. It's like my teachers loved me so much, they sat me as close to them as possible. Like, <laughs> and they loved me so much that they even had me stay after school to spend extra time with them. They called it detention, but they just loved me. And sixth grade, Jason, I'm so sorry. My wife is in here. She's not super jealous, which is good. Because I, I want to tell you about Jason's sixth grade girlfriend. Her name was Tiffany. Which, by the way, is like the quintessential 90s name. Like some of y'all that are with child right now, can you start naming your kids Tiffany again? It's time to bring it back. I think we're alone now. Some of you have no idea what that means because you weren't born at the appropriate time to enjoy the 90s. But but sixth grade Jason had a girlfriend named Tiffany. Now, this was like back when relationships were good. Like sixth graders these days, too mature in their relationships. My goodness. When I was in sixth grade, Lily, with Tiffany, a girlfriend just simply meant I completely ignored her and we never talked to each other. And once in a while, if we ever, you know, had a moment where we connected on the playground and saw each other, we, it would be super awkward. That was it. But we had something in the 90s that you kids today don't have. It's called writing notes to each other. Yep. Now y'all send text messages and snaps of like half your face or just a room and it's weird. But we had to handwrite notes to people and Heather, I know I'm a little older than you but I have a feeling you did this. When you wrote letters to boys that you really liked, you'd spray that perfume on the paper. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> and you would pick different colored markers and draw different things and then you'd follow George George Strait to say, you know, I think this is how love goes, check. And, 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 and that's what we would do. And I remember Tiffany wrote me a letter one time. I smell it. No perfume. I look down, it's written in pencil. Number two. Like you went to the sharpener. And it started off with this phrase, hey, we need to talk. Bro, she dumped me. <laughs> me! Teacher's favorite. 
I knew when I, I don't know, you're laughing at Colton. When I, when I opened a piece of paper and saw, hey, we need to talk, I felt that in my stomach like, uh-oh. Well, it's been a good two weeks. I guess I need to find a new soulmate because <laughs> Tiffany has moved on. Like, I knew it. In fact, I'm going to imagine that all these years later, Tiffany's like having coffee with a friend right now talking about sixth grade Jason and how the one got away from her. I'm going to imagine that's probably what's happening right now. <laughs> probably. But I remember reading that, and right when the notes started, I knew something was different. And I can't help but imagine that during this time of the Church of Galatia, when they received this letter of Paul, and they open it up, and they read the first five verses, and they're like, okay, okay, this is going well. And then it skips straight over to verse six that they realized, okay, this isn't a good letter. Something is different. Do you see that segue? That's elite level preaching right there. Y'all need to appreciate that. Let's find out what Paul does because he skips the, the niceties and moves straight to the surgery of the heart. And this is what I want us to lean into today. Verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Listen to what he says right there. I am astonished. One translation says, I am amazed at how quickly you're turning. You're presented with the pure gospel, forgiveness, redemption through Jesus, and how quickly someone else came in and you're allowing the Judaizers' false teaching to infiltrate and change what you know. What I taught you. And it happened so fast. He's amazed. I don't know if you've been living under a rock, but look around at our society today, and I am astonished. I am amazed at how quickly things are moving away from things of God. How quickly it's happened. And I'm not even talking about the world. I'll let God judge the world. I'm talking about the church, the big C church. How quickly We've allowed how your heart feels and what your desires are and humanism really to seep in and pervert the message of Christ. And, and this is what Paul's addressing. He, he takes it so very serious because the Judaizers came in and started to tell the people in Galatia that it was more than just Jesus for salvation. That's where I got this series title of You're Not Good Enough. Because what we do sometimes in our own mind or we allow other people to convince us that there needs to be something more for Jesus to love you more. And sometimes I find myself falling back into that, thinking God loves me less because I've fallen right back into the same sin again. The same one that I asked for forgiveness for and he forgave me and I was doing really well and then I fall for it again. And God's disappointed in me. He doesn't want to hear from me. He doesn't want to talk to me right now. I'm going to take my penance by not praying for three more days and then maybe he'll want to hear from me. But the reality is this. You're not good enough to deserve forgiveness. And the flip side of that is, is that you're not bad enough that Jesus is ever far from you. And that's what the church of Galatia needed to hear. I'm going to show you something, and I'm not looking forward to this. 
but I want to show you something because I want every single time that you read the book of Galatians, I want you to think about this. This is the Jesus plus gospel. This is what Paul is trying to address, and he takes it so serious. I would venture to say that you and I should probably take this as serious as Paul did. Because what he said was, is that we have the gospel represented by this ice cream. Have you ever met anybody that's like, nope, ice cream is gross. I don't want it. It's disgusting. If, they, if you've ever met somebody like that, flee from them, please, because they're either a liar or a false prophet. But the gospel is a very sweet message. In fact, whenever I uh, ask people to church, they never say anything about an issue that they have with Jesus if they don't want to come. Like, I think, I, I can't imagine anybody outside of maybe the Pharisees that were like, Jesus, nah, don't like him. Like, imagine if you went up to your coworker, and, and uh, by the way, for those of you listening by podcast in the near or distant future, distant future, well, whatever, the far future, uh, I'm scooping vanilla ice cream and putting it into a blender right now. And I, I, I can't imagine anybody that I talk to, they're like, eh, Jesus, uh, the opportunity to have my sins forgiven and live an eternity in heaven with him and all I got to do is, is pray and, and make him Lord of my life. Nah, not interested. I got a problem with Jesus. <laughs> but the message of God, the gospel is a pure message and it's one that we always have to keep. It's, it's, it's sustenance for us. It is a sweet message. It is a pure message. It is actually quite a simple message and man and sin complicate it. What the Judaizers tried to do, some of it's starting to dawn in what I'm about to do, is they brought pickles. Now, I know that's weird, and some of you don't like pickles. Just out of curiosity, anybody here that's like, ah, can't stand pickles, they're disgusting. All right, is anybody like, I like pickles? Awesome, now I know who's going to come up on stage in just a moment. Wow, Nora, two hands in the air. Wow. Wow. Pickles aren't bad. What the Judaizers tried to bring into the church wasn't bad. It's not like they told you to shave your head, put on a black robe, and drop your kids off in the top of a volcano. Like, it wasn't anything bad. It was just man-made. It was just traditions. And they took that and they said that this is what you need in addition to Jesus, the Jesus plus gospel. And so, again, Jewish festivals, not bad. Routine, tradition. Not bad. If some of you come from a, a traditional church in which they have traditions, we sing this, we use this hymnal, we don't do this, doesn't mean it's bad. But it's not on the level of the gospel. And so when we're preaching tradition more than we are forgiveness, something's out of whack. That's the Jesus plus gospel. Jesus plus all of the different traditions that we've always done at this church that we like that we want to keep. Not bad. This blender represents the Jesus plus gospel. And when you add anything to Jesus, sometimes it dilutes the message, but oftentimes it perverts it. It taints it. It makes it less than. It makes it not accurate, not pure. The things I do for you people. You better read Galatians after this. That's all I'm going to say. If I find out 
that you did it. On the surface, it doesn't look bad. Not bad. Nora? Come on, you think I'm going to do that? The reason that I want you to see this, I know that it, on the surface can, can appear juvenile or silly, but I want to, I, I'm desperate for you to understand this message of Galatians and how we can apply it. And if Paul took it so serious that anything outside of the message of Jesus, that you need Jesus plus something, is perverted of it, and we're going to talk about the words that he used in a little bit, I want you to understand that we as the church need to be vigilant, protecting the word of God and elevating the word of God above all else because society is an ebb and flow. And today, things may be okay. 10 years from now, what are they gonna look like? How are they compared to 10 years ago? And if we allow what is popular in society to trump what the word of God says, we are in trouble. That is one of the worst things I've ever tasted in my entire life. <laughs> the things I do for you people. Oh my gosh. Do you want some school? Oh, it's terrible. My goodness. So let's find out what exactly Paul said we should do. We get it now, but now, why is it so important? And what should we do? Verse 8. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. If you write in your Bible like me, underline that last phrase, let them be under God's curse. If you're taking notes, write that down and emphasize verse eight. Here's why. Sometimes the translation into English, regardless of the translation, doesn't do it justice. And this is one of those phrases. What Paul is saying there is as strong of language as you can have when he is saying, if anybody should preach a gospel other than the one that I have preached to you, then let them go to hell. He's saying to hell with them, which is strong, strong language. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to, to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Oh, the church needs to hear this today. You and I need to hear this today because pretty early on in your walk with God, you're going to come to a fork in the road. <clears throat> and that fork in the road is this. Are you going to be more interested in pleasing people or God? And you can't do both. And pretty early on in my journey here at this church, which, by the way, today marks my 100th sermon preached 
at Center Point Church. It's pretty amazing. Proof God can use anybody. Is there anybody here who said that who can raise their hand and say they've heard every all 100 of my sermons? For real? I'm so sorry. You didn't, and you're still here. That's great. What an honor it is to preach, to be used by God to preach 100 times in this place. And I think we're just getting started. But uh, anyways, pretty early on in my journey here, I, I, I realized that we don't have the facility that's going to bring people in. We don't have the building. We don't have the bells and whistles and the lights and the fountains and the lobbies and all of that. I hope we'll have those one day. My plan is to have those one day. But, but I didn't want the church to grow from what we could attract your eyes in. I wanted it to grow from the pulpit out, which is the word of God out. And if you have all of those other things, they're great amenities, they're great accessories, but make no mistake, the churches that will survive are the churches that have the foundation of the Word of God. But here's the problem, Betty. Not everything in here will win the approval of man. It's a sword. It's divisive church would grow a lot faster if from the pulpit I said what your itching ears want to hear and approve all of your decisions and your desires. But I would be a heretic. This right here, there's some things in here that are difficult. But pretty early on in your walk with the Lord, you're going to have to decide, are you going to seek the approval of man or the approval of God? I think there's going to be some bold preaching that's going to have to happen over the next couple of years because I already see the blueprint of how sound doctrine will get canceled. And I believe that churches aren't too far away from losing their privilege of being online, of being distributed. I believe that that's the type of persecution that's going to come against the church next. And I had to decide, am I going to be someone who's going to stand for the word of God, even if it is not popular in today's society? And you're going to have to face that same thing, and you're going to have to make a decision. And men, I honor you, because it is a tough time to lead a family. It's a tough time. But I believe that God has put us all in this position for a time such as these. And I believe that God is looking for men and women who will stand in the face of adversity who will say that absolute truths are absolutely true. My grandfather would have never believed when he was preaching 30 years ago that it would be considered bold preaching to stand up and say that marriage is between one man and one woman only. But that's bold preaching today. What's it going to look like 10 years from now? My grandfather would have never believed that it would be bold preaching to stand up and say that every life was created on purpose and for a purpose by Jesus Christ and by God who made a heart beat in a soul, and that we need to fight for the voice of the innocent. Some of you don't like that, and that's okay, because I'm not here to seek your approval. I'm here to preach the word of God, because that's what the Lord wants. I think it's more evident than ever today for us to realize that we cannot make man happy. Just can't. I'm trying to have a conversation with my daughter. And like, 
We're trying to explain the birds and the bees. But it's weird. Because some birds want to be bees, and some bees want to be birds, and some birds want to be with birds, and some bees want to be with bees, and I'm just trying to explain it. Can you imagine if the word of God constantly changed with what was popular in society? Keep in mind it was written during a time in which it was okay to sacrifice children at the altar of Baal, in which society said it was okay for pedophilia, in which society said that bestiality was okay. Imagine if the word of God was written so that it was accepted by culture of that day. I'm thankful that the word of God is never changing. But this Jesus plus gospel, we're going to have it up on the screen because I want you to see it. The Jesus plus gospel falls along with ESPN plus, Apple plus, Disney plus. It's like I can have this plus something else. And, and here's the thing is that we have to understand that the Jesus plus gospel is no gospel at all. And that Paul took it very, very serious. So we should take it very, very serious. And it's this idea of God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. Stay with me. We're almost done. You can tell because the band is coming up with the mood music. But I don't want you to leave without understanding where we're landing this plane because this is important. Because the Jesus plus gospel says that you need to add this plus this plus this to your life so that he will love you. Or you need to take this and this and this out of your life so that he will love you. And that's not the message of the gospel at all. The message of the gospel of all, of the gospel for all is this idea that no matter what you do, God cannot love you any more than he does right now. And as soon as I realized that, it took all the pressure off. Now, we're going to talk a little bit next week about how that should change our actions. And we're going to talk about faith versus works. So don't you worry about it, you people who love the book of James and that's your favorite book. We're going to get to all of that. But you have to establish right away the foundation of it, the cornerstone of it, has to be the forgiveness of Jesus. And that is a free gift that you cannot earn. Because I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of trying to run in this hamster wheel thinking if I work hard enough, if I pray long enough, if I tithe enough, that Jesus will be proud of me. And somebody here today needs to hear that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. And I want you to understand the importance of the word of God. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. This is the last verse we're going to cover. The grass withers the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let me tell you why. It's more important than ever that we do what David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart. Why it's important. About eight years ago, seven, somewhere around there, I remember the day that my spiritual life changed forever. Now keep in mind, I was in my early 30s. And, and I remember on my nightstand, I had a Bible. 
And then I had the newest book written by Stephen King and they were sitting on top of each other. And I remember that I read that entire 1200 page book by Stephen King in like two months. Yet here I am, a follower of Christ for two decades, and I had never read the Bible from cover to cover. Yes, I justified it by, I've been in enough sermons that I've probably read it, or I've been in enough Bible studies that I probably have seen it all, but that's like throwing a bucket of water on a chain link fence. And, 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 I, and I remember just thinking, here I am basing my eternity on a book that I've never read cover to cover. Now, I'm not telling you that to condemn you or make you feel bad. I'm telling you this to challenge you to say, it's not too late. Start today. I had someone come in my office last week. Don't worry, they're not in this room. And they said, I, Jason, I need you to pray for me for what God's next step is in my life. Can you pray that he'll make it obvious to me? And, and I said, hey, so is reading the Bible part of your daily life? And he said, no. And I said, then I'm not praying for that. And he said, you're the worst counselor of all time. And I said, I know. That's why it doesn't say lead counselor on that desk. Here's the thing. What I'm going to pray for you is that you will learn what the voice of God sounds like because then our prayers aren't situational. God, what do I do here? God, what do I do there? God, what do I do here? And we're waiting for an invisible God that we don't know what his voice sounds like. Instead, I'm going to pray that you would have the discipline and the determination to make more room in your life to, for God. This guy is like really muscular. And I said, you know what the difference between your body and my body is besides 20 years? So you want to look like that more than I do? You know what the difference between somebody who can hear from God and somebody who can't hear from God is? They want it more than you. You can have as much God as you're willing to make room for. So if you've never done it before, let's start today. Why do you want to hear from the voice of God? I'll end it with this. The voice of God sounds a little different than I expected it to. I thought the voice of God, Steve, was going to be like my own personal cheerleader of God telling me how proud he is of me, how happy he is for me, how great of a job I'm doing. And, and that's really not it at all, actually. Most of the time, the voice of God tells me to do things that I don't really want to do, like move to a church in the middle of COVID with three dozen people and see what happens. Sometimes he'll ask you to do what you don't want to do. Sometimes he'll turn the mirror around and say, this is who you think you are, but this is who you really are, and this is what we need to work on. But here's why. In today's day and age, we need to know what the Word of God, the voice of God sounds like. Are you ready? Because on those days when you are by yourself and you are feeling less than, and you can see coming over the hill the storm that is anxiety and depression and fear and worry and the voice of the enemy that tells you that you are not enough, the voice of yourself that tells you that you are too broke to be used by God. You need to know what the voice of God sounds like so still small voice can say, you are enough. You are mine and I am proud of you. We need to know what the voice sounds like of God to get us through those difficult days through those storms, through those battles that some of you are fighting right now that no one knows about. 
that's where the power of the voice of God sounds like. So my challenge to you is over the next couple of weeks, as we are on the book of Galatians, to make this a part of your daily reading. Just start there, Galatians 1. Read one chapter a day. Take you five minutes and see if your life is not transformed from the inside out. And this is how we become men and women of God. It is obedience over time. There's no magic formula. But let me just tell you to all the men in the room right now, if you've never even opened up the word of God, you're here and you led your family here, your wives, your children, young men, you're here. And you could have been anywhere and you're here. And that's a good start. Let me, let me tell you something. I am proud of you. And let's do this journey together. It is progress, not perfection. Can I get an amen? Can we celebrate for a God who will pursue the most broken of people for his redemption and to use them for his glory? Can we celebrate, church? Come on. You're not good enough. And you don't have to be because he is. Would you stand with me? Let's pray and then we're going to go into singing this chorus one last time before we're dismissed. And out in the hallway, the air conditioning is working. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you for the boys and girls. I thank you for the children. I thank you for what you've already done in this service, God, with the baptism. I thank you for what you taught me during that, Lord, and that I can recalibrate my heart with you, God. I, I, I just thank you for your living word, that your word never returns void, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this community. I thank you that you pursue the most broken of people, God, and that you use the fools to shame the wise. And I thank you that you are alive today and still working in the lives of your people, Lord. I thank you that you don't ask us to change the world, but you allow us to be a part of the story of you changing the world, God. For the father in this room who's feeling discouraged today because he's failed so many times, give him the strength and the courage to press on, God. I pray that tonight you give him the peace that you are proud of him and that he will lean into you to guide him through death, to show him how to lead his family. And the same prayer of the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. I pray that upon the men and the husbands and the fathers in this room today, God. And I pray right now for the, the women in the room who have allowed the voice of the enemy to convince them that they are less than based upon how they look, based upon, based upon what they don't have, based upon their past, God, that they will lean in and hear your voice louder than they've ever heard it before when you say that they are your daughter, co-heirs to the kingdom of heaven, and that they are enough. Lord, we lift you up in this place today. I love you and praise you and do anything for you and all God's people say, amen.